Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If it's your first time joining us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com, click I'm new. If you fill out that short form online for us as a way of saying thanks, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed right there. Well, we're in our second week of summer at Radiant and all throughout June and July. We're going to hear from special guests as well as a couple of teachings from myself. Uh, None of these messages are part of anything in particular. We're not doing a a series per se. They're just kind of standalone or open mic as we used to call them when I was a campus pastor. Uh, But I'm glad you've joined us here for this first summer at Radiant series that we're, we're doing. You know, one of my favorite times of the year is actually only a few weeks away. I love the 4th of July. It's the midpoint of the summer, you know, it's celebrating the birth of America, it's the fireworks. I mean, like who doesn't love the 4th of July, right? And, you know, America, it's, it's, it's been a great country for a long time. It hasn't been perfect, but I mean, if we're honest and we're not political, like no nation on the planet has been or is. Can we just be real about that for a moment, okay? And at one point, this great country was what we might say a Christian nation. That's not because a majority of Americans were Christian, but because like culturally speaking, America was really aligned with biblical values and principles. But for the last few decades, we've seen a big shift in America away from that label. And the COVID-19 pandemic only accelerated what was already a growing reality that America is not a Christian nation any longer. It really hasn't been for a while. It's actually what we might call post-Christian. Now, before we kind of get all defensive and up in arms and that kind of thing. I want to explain a couple of things to you, okay? First, post-Christian doesn't mean we're a nation full of, you know, atheists and agnostics heading for hell in a handbasket, all right? What post-Christian means, what it refers to, are people who might have been baptized in the church, they went through confirmation if they had a liturgical background. They went to a Christian school. They used to go to church on holidays, you know, that, that kind of thing. Basically, they've had exposure to Christianity, but they've chosen not to follow Christ. It's not that they don't know about Jesus per se. The issue is they know about him. <laughs> they just don't care. Now, here's some good news. Ready for some good news, right? The second thing I want to explain to you very quickly is that we're actually in a really good place in America right now as far as the church is concerned because the post-Christian culture is fertile soil for the church to thrive in. That sounds real contrarian, I know, but the truth is this. The church has always flourished and been most effective in places where it does not or no longer holds a lot of public influence or power. So look at what's happening right now in Asia and Africa and even parts of Europe where they're seeing a spiritual resurgence, right? But for a long time, we were considered a Christian nation. So if you're a committed follower of Christ today, you're actually the real deal. Because it's not trendy to go to church anymore. It's not trendy to follow Christ and, you know, wear the WWJD bracelets. <laughs> That's the 90s throwback right there, man. It's actually on the fringes. And I would argue that Christians are seen more and more as a threat in our culture today. And if you tell somebody you're a Christian or worse, like an evangelical Christian, you might even get slapped with a label that, that calls you a bigot or a hate monger and someone who just, you know, could be very dangerous. So I think a lot of us, we we probably are feeling that heat right now from the culture at large. So the question I want to raise today is how do we faithfully represent Christ 
in a post-Christian culture like this one that we're in. If we're followers of Jesus, how do we live in a way which brings glory to God and dignifies people in a culture which is more hostile towards Christ and towards us? This is important because we're in a time which, which is more divided than ever. And in a divided world, what's needed is a united church. So, so listen to me here today, okay? Doesn't really matter who's in the White House. Does, doesn't matter what party controls Congress or your state or local government. I, I know we all have our strong opinions and they're stronger than ever right now, but I want you to think like a citizen of heaven for a moment, all right? It doesn't matter. The mission never changes. Let me say it again. The mission never changes. And what is the mission? Well, traditionally, we would say it's Matthew 28, 19, and 20, which is known as the Great Commission. Check this out. This is Jesus speaking before he ascends into heaven. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, that is our mission. Go and make disciples. But in order to go and make disciples, we have to be full of something, okay? So don't, don't tell me what you think someone else is full of, all right? We, we all be full of something, and we'd be full of what Jesus was full of when he left the throne room of heaven and came to a hostile environment in the first century. John chapter 1, verse 14 tells us that the Word became human. This is a reference to Jesus here. And made his home among us. He was full of grace and truth. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. What was Jesus full of? Grace and truth. What are we supposed to be full of? Grace and truth. Right? To carry out the mission, we should be full of grace and truth. The Greek word for full in, in John chapter 1.14 is pleres, which means to be full to the brim. You can't get any more full than that. In fact, if you have a glass of water that's full to the brim, it's going to overflow if you move it, right? So any action taken with that glass results in an overflow of what's actually in it. Jesus was filled to the brim, completely, utterly full of grace and truth when he came. And every action he took, well, it caused that grace and truth to overflow from his life. So I believe for us to be on mission is for us to be so full of grace and truth that it overflows from our lives and impacts the people all around us. So, so why does this matter? Well, because grace saves and truth frees. Now go, go ahead, if you're watching online on YouTube or Facebook, type that in the chat for me, man. Hey, listen, grace saves, truth frees. If you're watching from the website or listening to the podcast later in the week, just say it out loud wherever you're at. Grace saves, truth frees. If Jesus was filled and overflowing with grace and truth, but well, we should be as well, right? So, of course, we haven't gotten this right all the time. I, I, I know I haven't. And the reason is because we often live in, in extremes. So we're either on the extreme side of truth or the extreme side of grace. And some of you, you live in the extreme side of truth because, you know, truth it frees. It's powerful. But if you live in the extreme of truth, then you're often, like, pretty judgmental. You ever noticed how those Christians get a little mean and they sound like almost out of touch with reality when they, when they get like this? They're all kind of like, you got to have truth. You're not living in the truth. You're not dressing right, not behaving right, not buying the God said it, I believe it, that settles it mantra. You're going for hell, <laughs> right? You're headed for hell in a handbasket where the worm never dies and there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and, you know, all, all that jazz. 
Know anyone like that? <laughs> I actually do. Uh, that's all truth. And know what? It's no grace. But others, man, they're so full of grace. That it's just like laissez-faire, carpe diem, you know, it's like, doesn't matter what you believe or how you live, man, because God loves everybody and we're all sinners. Let's just throw up the little hippie version of Jesus because that's how loving and open God is. It's, it's all grace. <laughs> it's just the truth. Here's the reality you got to accept. Jesus didn't come with one extreme or the other. He actually came with both. If we live in the extremes, then we create some, some pretty big problems. So there's the first big problem we'll create. Truth without grace, it leads to rebellion. Truth without grace leads to rebellion. So if we're just like, you know, truth, 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 and no empathy, and no understanding, and no grace, then people reject it, and they rebel hard against it. How many of you guys know families who, who had very legalistic parents? Like generally speaking, it's like general because it's not true for everybody, of course, but generally speaking, what happened with their kids? They're, they're little rebels, right? Like either, either they're out in the open for everyone to see or was subtle behind the scenes. But the truth is they, they, they rebelled hard because all truth and no grace leads to the feeling of being oppressed or repressed. And our natural response to that is to rebel against the force doing the oppressing, isn't it? So nine times out of 10, this is the result of all truth without grace. It leads to rebellion. Now here's a second problem. Grace without truth leads to relativism. So in other words, you can do whatever you want to do without any standards or truth and, and not face consequences. So the idea of relativism is, is that no hard absolute truth exists. There's just my truth and your truth. And since there is no absolute truth, you can't tell me what to do and God can't tell me how to live. I'll do my own thing however I see fit. And, and where we see this play out in our world today is the idea that you can do whatever you want so long as it leads you to live a happy, satisfying life, right? Just be sincere. Don't hurt anybody. Just love and accept everyone. That's all we want. So this second problem is what's most common in our culture right now. So I'm going to spend a lot more time on this today. Um, and, and, and we're seeing it take place, right? What we're seeing take place, even in our churches, is this idea that we just need a little bit of Jesus. We just need to get a little bit of, just, just, just enough, like a small dose, like a vitamin, you know, just a tiny bit. Like it might be the short clip of somebody that we like listening to and they post it on Instagram and it sounds good. Get a little sound bite, right? Give that double tap on our phone. Christine Kane, Judah Smith, whoever it is you want to listen to, or maybe you're reading your, your, your version app and you got that verse of the day that pops up. Dude, you got to keep that streak going. You know what I'm saying? Like open that up and read that verse. Keep the streak going because like a verse a day keeps the devil away, that kind of thing. Just a little bit. I thought we just need a little bit of Jesus and we're good. Got our spiritual fix. Great. Ready to go for the rest of the day. <laughs> okay. When Jesus came, he came with grace and truth. Grace saves, truth frees. But what is grace? Well, it comes from the Greek word charis, and that means undeserved kindness, favor, and goodwill. It's the loving kindness of God. You've probably heard that phrase before. It's what leads to a changed life, a repentant life in Christ. Truth doesn't lead to repentance. This is very important. I'm not downplaying truth, but we need to get this today. Truth doesn't lead to repentance. The kindness, which is a result of God's grace, does. It's not for by truth you've been saved. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. So what's grace again? It's the undeserved kindness, favor, goodwill of God, which saves you. 
Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so no one can boast about it. Why? Because again, it's the undeserved kindness of God. So here's what's so interesting to me uh, about all of this, all right? So Jesus came full of grace and truth. Which one's listed first? It's grace. Now, I can't prove this. There's no academic or theological merit to what I'm about to say, all right? But I, I, I don't believe in coincidences very much, especially not in the Bible. I think grace came first because as followers of Christ, we're to lead with grace and then we're to proclaim truth. So think about it like this. You got a mom, great, wonderful mom who's, who has a friend that she both loves and hates. Don't, don't raise your hand if you know people like that, right? She's jealous of her friend, so she's nice in person, but man, she gossips like crazy when she's not around. You think she needs grace for her sin? Or what about her husband? Her husband's a great guy, man, really good at what he does, too. He's got a successful business, and part of why it's so successful is he loves some money. You know what I'm saying? Like, he loves money. Uh, he's just not very generous. He's a victim of greed. You think he needs grace? What about the little old lady you love to see every time you go to your favorite restaurant in town? Godly old woman, but she's still very angry at her daughter. She can't forgive her. She needs grace, doesn't she? And then there's this really religious guy who looks at people who are like that, who looks at the college student who like studies hard but parties harder, you know? Looks at people who voted differently than he did, lifelong Republican over there. He's just angry at the world. He doesn't live like these people. Like, he's beyond that. He's righteous. He doesn't like how they live. He doesn't like how they voted. He can't figure out why they seem to be given what he thinks is special attention at church when they can't put three verses together. He's all truth and no grace. But he doesn't have the self-awareness to realize he needs as much grace as they do. And then what about you? Do you need grace today? Sometimes inadvertently as Christians, we get it wrong. And, and we don't mean to, but we get it wrong. And we end up saying things basically like this. Hey, you know, you kind of, you got you to behave first. Truth, 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 okay? And then you can belong. But if you stop behaving, well, hey, you know what we'll do is we'll gossip about you and we'll call it prayer. We'll hold that attitude that says, if you don't believe the same things we do, you know, well, there are other churches that might like you, but as for us, you got to believe every single thing down to the letter to make it here. And so while we might say, you can belong before you believe, how we really treat people and how we really live is, if you believe and behave, you can belong. But of course, that's not the gospel. It's not how it works. Jesus never says, change your life, get your act together, and then come follow me. He approaches every person during his encounters with the mindset that he can change them and he can give them new life. That's why we sometimes get it wrong. We've got to adjust our thinking if we're going to lead with grace. What we want our church to be here at Radiant is a place where people can belong before they believe. That's a safe place for them to belong before they behave. Why? Because it's grace that saves. Now, I know some of you guys are already thinking, all right, pastor, pastor, wait a minute. That's dangerous stuff. Like, it sounds like one of those watered-down kind of churches. People could do anything, and we won't have any standards. How can we allow this? Well, actually, Paul addressed this already, Romans chapter 6. Look at this. Romans chapter 6, verse number 1, he says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that 
you know, God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace. Of course not. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? So what Paul is saying is like, hey, there's grace, sure, but then there's truth. We lead with grace and we proclaim truth. And the challenge with truth in a culture like ours, which is very post-Christian, is that people are skeptical of any kind of truth. Like we're told anyone claiming to have absolute truth is arrogant at best and dangerous at worst. And what they don't understand is that truth isn't restrictive. It's not repressive or oppressive. It's, it's actually liberating. It's freeing. It's life-giving. If you go all the way back to the first book of the Bible, go to Genesis chapter 3, the Garden of Eden. You know, God looked at Adam and he said, I did a good job with you, man. Hey, get with Eve over there and multiply. That's a, that's a great assignment from loving God right there. Enjoy the garden. Have lots of kids, okay? And, you know, God's just like, hey, just, just do one thing for me, stay away from the one tree in the middle of the garden. If you eat from that, you're going to lose your innocence and you're going to die. God wasn't out to ruin their fun. He wasn't out to repress or oppress. God was trying to protect them. Truth is not rule-driven. It's not solely about principles and morals. Truth is life-giving. John chapter 1, we, we learn it's a person. It's not a what, it's a who. Jesus is truth. He describes himself in John 14, 6 is this way. He goes, I'm the way the truth and the life. And what does truth do? Well, in his own words, John 8, 32, the truth will set you free. Grace saves, truth frees. Think about the people you run across at work, in your neighborhood, around town. Which ones need grace and which ones need truth? To the older lady who's critical and, and, and bitter, hey, you're, you're loved and you're welcome here. There's a way to forgiveness, but the truth is you have to forgive as God forgives to find the healing you really need in your life. To the husband who's filled with greed, you're loved and valued by God. But the truth is, love of money, which is greed, is the root of every kind of evil. There's a better way, a more generous way to, to live. To the jealous mom, hey, there's, there's a life that's so satisfying that God has for you, and there's freedom from the envy that's deep within your bones. But the truth is, you need Jesus to set you free. And until you learn to live with contentment in the life that God's given you, you're never going to be satisfied. To the man who sees himself as righteous, somehow you're above everybody else because of the spiritual knowledge and truth you have. Hey, your love too. But the truth is, your pride is getting in the way. And if you don't humble yourself, God will break you and do it for you. Because the truth is, you need the same grace in your life everybody else needs. We never stop needing grace. We're in one of the most complex moments in history right now. Coming out of a pandemic, it's had disastrous effects of which we are not going to know the full extent for years to come. We've had race riots, contested elections, we're staring down economic difficulty like many of us have probably never experienced. Lines in the sand are being drawn, people are angry. More than once have I wondered, how do we do this? Like, what, how do we make this work going forward, right? And all I can say is it's the grace of God which keeps us on mission. God's grace sustains us and His truth guides us. The truth is that God tells us not to be anxious about anything, but to pray about everything so His peace can fill our hearts. The truth is God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. The truth is we can't lean into our own wisdom, our own understanding. We lean on His, and He makes our paths straight. 
I'm so thankful that Jesus came overflowing with grace and truth. His grace was undeserved. So much so, it was scandalous in his day. He would comfort the sinners, right? He, he would love the outcasts. He touched the lepers. He befriended the prostitutes. I'm thankful for his grace and his truth. See, a post-Christian culture isn't rejecting Jesus outright. They're actually rejecting a distorted view of who Jesus is from a church, and I mean, you know, big C, church as a whole here, that hasn't always gotten it right. And so at Radiant, we welcome everyone here with anything they bring. Questions, hurt, baggage, sin, addictions, you're welcome here. We want folks to know this is a place they can belong before they believe, and they can belong before they behave. Our job is to bring people to the feet of Jesus. His job is to bring a life-changing grace and truth. So while we welcome everyone here, and they're going to get God's grace, they're also going to hear God's truth. And the truth's name is Jesus. And he sets people free. And he changes their lives forever. I believe if people can see who Christ truly is, they'll choose to follow him because he is truth. And he's full of grace, undeserved favor, goodwill, kindness from God himself. The uncompromised truth today. So much talk about uncompromised truth. The uncompromised truth today is that it's Jesus who still sets people free. I want to pray for you here today. Wherever you're watching or listening from right now, you might be someone who, who says, Pastor, I, I'm listening to you today, and I realize that I need that undeserved grace. I need that in my life today. I want to walk you through a prayer to accept Christ as Lord and Savior. That's how you get access to that grace which saves you. Then I want to pray for those of you who are Christians who maybe you're struggling because this talk about the extremes, you're like, man, that's, that's totally me. I'm in the extreme of grace where I don't ever bring about truth. Or I'm in the extreme of truth and I never have grace. I, I want to pray that you live not on the extremes and the edges, but you, you live like Jesus and you're in the middle. You have both grace and truth in your life. Understand, you can't change people. You can't save them. Only God can do that. Our job, as I said earlier, is to bring people to the feet of Jesus. His job is to save them and set them free. Father, we love you here today, man. I pray for those right now who say, Pastor, I don't know Christ, but I, I need that grace. Lord, right now, I, I pray for them. They would open up their hearts. In fact, if that's you, I want you to say this prayer in your own words. I'm going to model it for you. You say it in your own words. Jesus, I am sorry for my sin. Forgive me for the wrong that I've done. I, I don't want to live my life the way I've been living it anymore. I need that undeserved grace and loving kindness that comes from you. Save me from my sin. Grace saves. Save me from my sin. And now we're going to make him Lord of our lives. So we're going to pray this. And now, Lord, I want you to take control. I'm not going to lead me anymore. I'm not going to call the shots. I'm going to let you lead me from this day forward. God, I want you to call the shots and you to take the reins. I'm going to submit myself to following you from here on out. Father, I pray for those Christians who are struggling right now. They're living on the extremes. 
Lord, I pray they would realize today how much they need grace if they're all truth, or how much they need truth if they're all grace. That you came full of grace and truth, so much so that everything you did, it overflowed from your life. God, may we live lives like that. I pray that our lives are lived in such a way that grace and truth overflows from us. That, Father, we don't take it upon ourselves to change people. We can't play God. Our job is to bring people to you and let the grace save them and the truth which lives in Christ to set them free. Lord, may we do that as believers. May we not have a self-righteous air about ourselves. When we understand and recognize that we need grace too, may we realize, Lord, that it's, the, it's your truth which sets people free. But man, it's your grace which saves their lives. And I pray, Lord, from this day forward, we would have this mantra that they can belong and behave before they believe because you're the one who brings about the change and the increase in people's lives. We pray for this, Father, in your mighty and precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.